Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is... Are these... Bust... Drunk? I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. I'm back! <laughs> this is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yeah! This month we're reading Live Your Life, My Story of Loving and Losing Nick Cordero by the courageous and strong Amanda Klutz with her sister Anna Klutz. This is so bittersweet, gals, because mm. I'm absolutely thrilled to be back at Happy Hour with you two of for course. our last book of this season. Wow. But I'm already overwhelmed with all sorts of emotions having read the first four chapters of this painfully beautiful story, which is based on eternal love and ultimate loss. Brandy, you recently brought up to us that this book is the perfect way to end our second season since we will be discussing COVID and its effects on our lives, Hmm. which did indeed propel us to create this very podcast. Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. I know. I have no doubt that this will be a tough hora de felicidad. So, Tia Emma, mm-hmm. what does Ricardo have in store for us that might soften the blow? Ooh, mm, he's got a good one, actually. Mariana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so happy you're back. Yeah, me too. While sipping on today's cocktail, I hope you both feel yourself reminiscing over the blossoming relationship between Amanda and Nick in those early days, meeting in rehearsals for Bullets Over Broadway. Because today's cocktail pairing is called From Broadway with Love. Oh, Isn't that cute? It is cute. Very cute. Since we get a closer inside look into how their relationship formed from working together on Broadway, our bartender wanted to give an homage to the place where it all started for them. This is a pre-existing cocktail, not a Ricardo original, just FYI, but it's sure <laughs> to delight. Oof. If you like chocolate and raspberries and booze, oh my. Who doesn't? Sign me up, yeah. (laughs) Here to share the recipe for From Broadway with Love is my love, Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. (laughs) Control is back. Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Welcome back, Mariana. Gracias, Ricardo. <laughs> How are you? Brandy couldn't be alone at the bar anymore. It's nice to have company at the bar. <laughs> right? You're not the only one sitting in front of me. No. no. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so, the recipe for, for today's cocktail is a pretty sweet cocktail. So, it has like yeah. very few ingredients, but some of them are very particular, especially the spirit base. So... Uh-huh. Let's go deep down in the recipe. The, today's Let's cocktail is called From Broadway with Love. So there's a lot of love and yeah. there's a lot of sweetness in this cocktail. Yes. The, the main ingredient is Chambord. And we're going to need an ounce of Chambord that is uh, raspberry, French raspberry liqueur. Uh, half of an ounce of creme de cacao, half of an ounce of uh, coffee liqueur, uh, one ounce of heavy cream. And we're going to need some raspberry as a garnish in our cocktail. Yeah. We pour the ingredient in uh, our uh, shaker and we shake. Uh, we strain the cocktail and we serve it up. Before serve the cocktail, 
uh, that's really up to you. It depends on how sweet you want this cocktail. You can make a, it's not technically a rim, but kind of a rim with a chocolate syrup on oh the my. edge of the glass. So every time that you take a sip, uh, you have a little bit of the chocolate syrup on the edge of oh, the glass. Oh, wow. Or oh. if you want to dilute it a little bit and you still want the sweetness of the chocolate, you can put the chocolate syrup in the shaker and shake it with the rest of the ingredients. Or you can oh. avoid the chocolate syrup because you still have the chocolate profile from the yeah. chocolate I got to say, I didn't do any kind of a rim at any okay. kind of a chocolate and it was chocolatey enough. Yeah. And freaking delicious good it sounds yeah. so decadent but i love it it is it is that's the perfect word for it but it's decadent in a good way in a good way and the yeah. chambord the chambord the, the the liqueur like is going back from back in time it started being producing the 17th century actually chambord is a castle in the valley of oh. the loire in, in France and I've been there actually it's a pretty beautiful castle uh, uh, so it's it's very well known in the region it's not being a super famous ingredient in any of the cocktail on the, yeah. let's say the modern era until probably the early 2000 when some bartender here in New York decided that a raspberry liqueur was a nice ingredient for the new wave of cocktails and Chambord was reassumated from the dead and it was pretty popular in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, it's not something, it's not a flavor that I would normally no. think that I would like. Yeah. But it's incredible. It's very it's good. It's really good. And it's very distinctive. And mm-hmm. as, as soon as you smell it or you taste it, you know that it's what board. it is. Mm. Yeah. Right. So, I love Ostra Salute, ladies, and enjoy Thank your you. Gracias, love. love. Ciao, ladies. It's such a pleasure to be back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, women. Cheers. 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 That looks beautiful, by the way. It tastes beautiful, too. Oh, my God. It's incredible. I didn't think I was going to like it because it sounds so sweet, and I really don't like sweet drinks, but chocolate and raspberry together is like... Mm, for me. Oh. oh my gosh, it's so good. And that little bit of coffee, that little touch of the coffee liqueur is also just, to me, it makes it taste a little bit more like dark chocolate. And that's yeah. yummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mariana, you're not able to drink cocktails yet, right? No, yeah, and I won't lie because I lied for many months about drinking <laughs> and not actually drinking. So I'm actually having a beer, mm. a Lefe Blonde. Belgian beer. Mm. It's delightful because I still get to have one, which is great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's but, back um, for happy hour. Yeah, at least That's I'm right. back. But this one will be one that you need to try. Oh, yeah. You're able that to have cocktails in because this one is amazing. Brandy, why don't you bring us in before I finish this entire drink before we even Let's start do talking? It. Yeah. It's so good. This week, we get Amanda and Nick's falling in love story. How they met working on Bullets Over Broadway together, the differences between them immediately apparent but also magnetizing, how they started dating after her divorce from her first husband, and how they found their way to success together, him eventually receiving a Tony nomination that opened up all kinds of doors for him, and her launch of a fitness brand that gave her the stability to start thinking about marriage, a home, and a family, things they both wanted and how they eventually moved to L.A., with Nick craftily securing them their dream house, Mm -hmm. a fixer-upper in Laurel Canyon, which they'd renovate while living in friend Zach Braff's house, Brown Bear. 
But after making a trip back to New York to pack up their apartment at the very beginning of the COVID pandemic in the U.S., Nick falls ill and ends up in the ICU, leaving Amanda to care for their son Elvis alone while they quarantine. The beautiful neighborhood Nick wanted for them is a constant source of support, with offers of grocery trips, baby food drop-offs, and impromptu outdoor concerts by the neighborhood's many talented musicians and artists. And as this week's chapters end and Nick's health complications increase, Amanda's brother shows up to stay with her and Elvis to offer a shoulder to lean on. And of course, we didn't mention that the title of the book is taken from a Nick Cordero song, which if you had a chance to listen to it, is so beautiful and tragic. Yeah. I was actually going to mention that kind of early on in our discussion here. I never met Nick or Amanda. I Obviously, I didn't have a personal relation with them. Um, Apparently, actually, I had seen Nick star in the Toxic Avenger, which I didn't realize because I saw that Mm. show off Broadway. So I must have seen him perform. But right off the bat, I'll just, you know, dive right in by saying, like, I was completely taken by this story from following it on Amanda's Instagram. Yeah. Through the entire process, I felt so connected to both of them and to Mm -hmm. the story, having never met them, I was so invested. And then I guess, you know, we were going to get to this, but since you just brought up the song, Live Your Life, which was his song, there was a period of time where she was having people record videos, Mm -hmm. dancing to the song and sending them that she would send to him. And I made one. Um, You did? Yeah. I just like, I really, I really found myself like very invested in this story. Like I found myself really rooting for him. And this is going to sound really creepy, but I remember where I was when I found out that he died. Oh my goodness. You guys, I'm telling you, like, this story, like, really gripped me. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, well, because, you know, it was all happening via Instagram. It's not a platform that we generally talk about often, but Amanda was so good about updating every step of the way. And I, when I, when I saw her post that he had passed, I openly wept. I was in public, actually, and I was, like, sobbing on the subway platform. And I was like, God, this... Um, that to me is like a real testament of being able to feel their connection and his impact and their love for each yeah. other. That's just uh, that's how I'll open this. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like the whole country kind of fell in love with them. They were such a yep. young, beautiful couple, mm. sort of newly married, like they weren't newlyweds or anything, but like, you know, they had recently married. They yeah. just had this beautiful son, mm. like, and he's so young. That to die from this disease is tragic. That's the thing. I feel, yes, the, the whole country kind of was, you know, on their corner rooting for Amanda and rooting for Nick to pull through. But as New Yorkers and as actors, mm. it even touched home for us, or at least for me, yeah. just because he was so young. Mm. And at the beginning stages of COVID, we didn't know that it would affect anyone and it would affect anyone anywhere. You know, it was yeah. not a specific age range or anything like that, that later on we got to find that out. So it was just, it was horrific and it was tragic, but it was also, it also showed all of us that love really does conquer all and that she Mm. had so much love given to her through these very dark and difficult times that really pulled her out of this tragedy. 
Yeah. And puts things into perspective about what's really important. Yeah. Love and family. And family. Being at the, the heart of that. I actually saw Nick in a Bronx tale. Oh. Oh. Yeah. He, he was a brilliant, brilliant actor. So good. Mm. So charismatic. I mean, you can see that just in looking at photos of him. Oh like anytime God, yeah. she posts photos of him, you can just see how like present and alive and like vital he is. Just to piggyback off what you just said, Mariana, about how at the beginning of this, because he was diagnosed at such early stages of COVID when we were all still figuring out what this was and how it was transmitted and there was so little information. Right. One of those things that I read in the chapters that made me so upset and then feeling like, well, I can't be upset because they just didn't know any better. But when they took him to urgent care and they wouldn't test him for COVID because he didn't have any of the symptoms and he wasn't exposed to anyone who was positive, you know, now you're like, oh, my nose is sniffly. And you get a COVID test. test. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. And they kind of demand that now. But just so I don't know. It was an interesting moment because I found myself being really upset at the doctors and then having to like give them grace because they just didn't know then, you know. And yeah, to feel that way towards anyone that's been helping people through this is like so wrong. Yeah. I think it's also easy to forget, though, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like in those early days, we didn't have that many tests. And I think that was probably why they were like limiting who they allowed to get tested Mm -hmm. is because supplies were so short and we didn't have any idea when we would be able to get more and all this stuff. The crazy thing to me, too, is that once they do finally test him, he tests negative twice. Twice before they get the third positive test Before testing positive, which is also freaking crazy that he could have Mm -hmm. been that sick for that long and still test negative. Like how many people, and I think that's a point she brings up in the book, how many people got sick, went and got a test, tested negative, and so went about their lives, Mm -hmm. probably infecting more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just wild. I mean, thank God for their doctor, Dr. NG. Yes. He was the one that pretty much was like such an advocate for Nick and was so and was an advocate for their family. And he was he was kind of like their point person, which I'm so glad that she had someone to kind of reach out with that would be honest and empathetic with her yeah. while all of this was going on. Because I can't imagine how isolating mm. the situation was. It was already isolating enough <laughs> dealing right. through COVID times, but not being able to talk to anybody for a good period of time, not knowing yeah. how her husband was doing or what was taking place. And she's so fortunate that she was even able to have him because her friends yeah. were able to pull together for the yeah. private health. I mean, imagine how many people didn't have that. Didn't have that. And didn't have a point person. And you, so you couldn't get any information. And didn't have access to these other drugs that she was able to get him right. on and, you know, all that stuff. You know, I, I was actually, I'm glad we're talking about like the whole hospital and this institution in general and, and providers because... As you all know, I recently gave through, <laughs> gave birth. I recently went through, um, you know, an experience at the hospital. And what I got out of that, and while reading these four chapters, there's this, and I get it, we're still talking about COVID time, so it's it's very different than it used to be. But I feel like there's so many barriers and obstacles to get through to be able to advocate for oneself mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. That I I wish that there was some sort of 
that something would be done where if a patient is saying something, or if the advocate for a patient is saying something, that it's taken as seriously. Like, that that's yeah, that it's taken seriously. Because a lot of times, like, we can speak for ourselves and we know our bodies better than anybody else. And because there's certain protocols that need to take place, things take a little bit longer than they should. Mm. And I just and, – and not blaming health health workers because what they did, it's uh, unreal. Unreal. And I just think that there's certain protocols or barriers set in place that – make it a lot more difficult for patients and their advocates to really speak up and say yeah. what's actually going on or getting the honest truth from those providers of what is happening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which in this case, I'm glad it sounds like she was getting that from him, from his personal doctor. But overall, yeah, I think you're right. It's a huge pitfall in our system here in the U.S. Yeah. Well, pivoting a little away from the beginning of Nick contracting COVID and ending up in the hospital. I want to talk a little bit about Amanda and what like a badass I think she is and how we really get more insight into her and her Mm. character. Yeah. Who she is. Um, And I'm excited to see how that develops through the book because I, I'm still very closely following her on her social media, on her Instagram account. And I'm just really impressed by her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's enough to have a very, very young child and then now to be doing it as a single parent and not by choice. Right. Is uh, Well, and, and before you keep going, even dealing with postpartum, like just dealing with yeah. the aftermath of going through labor and during that time having to deal with all of this because Elvis was so young when all so of this happened. So such a baby. Yeah. But one of, the, one of her boss moves that I, I – I really enjoyed reading more about was when she pivoted and decided to take a leap of faith, realizing that she needed more stability financially in her life and that performing Mm -hmm. and dancing was not going to provide that. And she made that huge switch to become a fitness instructor and Mm -hmm. becoming a CEO, the CEO of her own business. Um, I just thought that was really awesome because I think that that's something that we don't talk about as performers a lot is that we all realize that there's incredible instability, but I think a lot of us are too scared to admit that maybe there are other things that we would want to try other things that we're interested in because it feels like that would pull us away from, from this career. And it feel this career is one where it feels like you have to be available and on call 24 seven, or you're going to miss an opportunity. And so I just wanted to shout her out for, for that realization and then following through with it. And now and now look at her business empire. Like yeah. she's incredible. And not only that, a lot of times, or at least I'm going to speak for myself, if we are ready to move on from being an artist or we're ready to move on from, you know, being on stage as a performer, a lot of times there's some shame in that, oh, you for know, sure. because you've worked yeah. so hard and maybe you didn't make it where you wanted to be or at the level you wanted to be at. But you wanted to follow through with something else that was also your passion and maybe your actual like passion, like more so than even performing. And she was very honest about that, which I find also very inspiring that she was I was ready. Mm -hmm. I was done, you know, and she found a way of performing through her fitness instructing, which is so cool. And now she's on the talk you know, on CBS as a yeah. host. So weirdly, she still found her way to where she was going. Even yeah. though it was this roundabout path. 
And now she's on Dancing with the Stars. And, and so now she's, she's on Dancing with the Stars. So her first love came back anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is reminding me of one of my best friends, Ambie. Ambie J Photography. Uh, we love Ambie. We love you, Ambie. <laughs> who is still a performer, even though she's not really doing it much anymore. But we went to school together for musical theater. And she was performing for years out of college. And then mm. also she realized that she wanted something a little more stable. And she wanted to try her new passion of photography. So yeah. she bought a camera. And she is completely self-taught. She started taking headshots for like $100. Hmm. Figuring out her setup and whatever. And now she is the Ambie J Photography and has built this entire empire. She's taken all three of our headshots. Yeah. Yep. And she is absolutely killing it. And I'm just so proud. And I just wanted to give her a little shout out because she's Aww. another woman that tried something outside of performing. And now she is the CEO of her own business. She's a huge and success. Huge. Yeah. I mean, she's like, she's so swamped with work. Like, she's. And continuing to branch yes. in other directions, yes. even as she goes. Yeah. And she's so incredibly talented. She has yeah. such an eye for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does, even when they no, try, no, no. They, you know. Yeah. She is incredible. So anyone living in New York in need of new oh, headshots, yeah. MBJ get on the Photography. Or just yeah, some get on her wait list. photos, not even just headshots, just beautiful right. photos Portrait of Right, portrait sessions. Oh yeah. One thing I kind of wanted to ask the two of you, since we're talking about this pivot that she made in – that Amanda made in her career, Hmm. I found myself really sort of heart-wrenched. I don't know if you can say that as a verb. I found myself really um, sad for her in this moment when Nick really wants to move to L.A. Mm -hmm. She kind of doesn't seem to really want to. She's just had the baby. She's got all this support from her family here in New York. Yeah, they're living across the hall. (laughs) She lives across the the hall from her parents, and I think she has a sister in that building Mm -hmm. also. Yeah. Tons of support. Um, and she had just started her fitness empire mm-hmm. here. But he was adamant. He wanted to go to L.A. He had all these opportunities he felt there. Mm-hmm. And so she gives in and acquiesces and decides to go. And so I was just curious for the two of you, since I know you're both, obviously, Mariana, you just had your baby. Emma, I think a family is in your future somewhere. Like, I'm just curious how how that part of the book resonated with you knowing that you want a family and if if that shift in her life resonated with you at all. It totally resonated with me. But what I found so interesting is that she ended up in L.A. where everything came together. She yeah, didn't initially true. want it. But all of this, like her her life just transitioned into a place where now she she has things that she never thought that she would want or that she maybe deserved. And like she's thriving. Yeah. So a lot of times I've been, you know, both of you know that I'm such a stickler to, to being in control and wanting to manage every little second of my life. But it goes to show you that a lot of times when you give in and you follow those signs, because as she, as Amanda is, she's a huge believer in signs, so am I, that if you get into those signs, you never know where your life might lead you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was my takeaway from that whole situation mm-hmm. that she had to deal with. Because for me, our biggest sign was Lorette when she came into this world or when she was 
conceived (laughs) because it obviously changed the trajectory of where Andrew and I were heading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We were probably not, if we were recording this episode right now, it might have been somewhere else. It might have not been in New York. Yeah. But Andrew didn't want to be in New York. And now he is really loving New York the way we're, you know, building our family here. And I would love to go to LA at some point, but I don't know. Maybe that's in the cards. Maybe that's not in the cards, but... Things are things have their way of working out. You just have to go with the flow. Yeah, as hard as that is for me to say, but for most people, probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was actually shocked that she agreed to go. I was too. I was putting myself in that position, and I was like, "You have such a massive support system where you are, and so close." And her parents moved to New York. Oh, I know. To be with her. Yeah, and her sister. So uh, it's also kind of like, thank you guys for moving here. Now we're moving across the country. Yeah. And then to move somewhere where you don't. I mean, she she knew she had a brother that was, you know, albeit six hours away, but someone there. But still, it's not the same. Plus, she was already, like you said, building that foundation with clients in her business. And then for her to just uproot that I was shocked I I don't think I would have I don't know this is a really tricky thing because I feel bad talking about Nick in this light now that he's I know with us yeah yeah but it did feel a little dare I say selfish like it didn't I felt that feel like he was thinking about the family and the support system, but like how it would help him. But also maybe maybe that's not fair because maybe he also realized that he wanted a house with like a yard well, and that was thing. never gonna be attainable in New York. And it seemed like she wanted that as well. Yeah. yeah. So I guess degree. actually I should slap myself on the wrist and say if you think about it like that, then yeah, that would make sense to wanna go somewhere where that's feasible. And when it mm-hmm. comes down to a married couple, I mean one person is gonna have to give in. Yeah. It's like it's never going to be there. It's a compromise. For me, it was a little shocking that it's the new mom with the baby and the support system right here that has to give in. And I did wonder whether Nick would have given in a little bit. Like, was, was that on the table or was it not really on the table? I don't know. I mean, Ricardo and I have been having those conversations because, as you said, a family is in the future for us and he we've had conversations of how difficult the healthcare system is here and expensive and so we've had conversations of like would you want to have the baby in Italy like if we moved back to Italy where it's free and they take care of you and they support you and part of that was very appealing, but it's also like, I don't think I want to be in another country where I'm not fluent yeah. yet in my first like several months of giving birth. That to me feels too isolating. And again, it's, it's another country. It's not like going to LA. It's going right. somewhere with a different language. Right. But that is very tricky. So I understand that the challenge. Yeah. One thing that did become really sort of clear for me, though, this week as we read these chapters, because I was having a similar dilemma to you, Emma, where I was like, I don't feel like I can fully talk about this and be respectful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's a balancing act that has Mm -hmm. to happen because Mm -hmm. these are real people. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is their real life. And one of them is now gone. 
But one thing that did become really clear to me this this as I was reading is like there really can't be any judgment mm-hmm. or shame about the choices that you make. Like, you know, she has that moment where she keeps going back and forth. If we hadn't gone back to New York or if we hadn't come back mm-hmm. to L.A., like, would he still be here? Mm-hmm. And like, we just can't, you know, you can't really second guess those choices. Right. Because you can't change it. You can't no. change it. And you don't know what right. would have happened if you had done the other thing. Like, right. You can't have any idea. Oh, you're so right. Well, since we're talking about location, New York versus L.A., I have a question. And we haven't fully gotten yet into her new neighborhood, which I would really love to talk about because it sounds so cute. I know. But I love the detail paid to the importance of where your home is and what it feels like through the lens of Amanda in these chapters. She spends a lot of time sharing her most treasured memories and loves of New York, and then the aspects of her new community in Laurel Canyon, which is so charming, that made that big move feel right for her and her family. And since the three of us are all still New Yorkers, Brandy, Mm. I know you will forever be. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take a moment for a little New York City appreciation love fest. I want to know... What are some aspects of this crazy fucking city that make it feel like home to you and would make it incredibly hard for you to leave it? Do you have favorite, quote unquote, small memories, as Amanda phrased it, ones that you would cherish if you were to find yourself somewhere else? There's so many. There are so many. (laughs) I know. You just got to I can see it in your face, Brandy, and I feel the same exact way. (laughs) But I have a few that are like big ones. Like, just being around Washington Square Park, you know, I went to NYU, which is not really a campus campus. It's, like, so spread out. But for almost every single class, I would have to walk through that park almost every single day, either to go to the library or I also worked at a store on one end of the park. And then Mm -hmm. my classes would be on the opposite end. And there would be so many days, especially, like, spring, summer days, where you'd walk through the park. And I'm sure you ladies know this, but Mm -hmm. there would be a musician with his piano Mm -hmm. His grand piano. That's my friend Doton. In the park. No, it fucking isn't. Yeah. Dude, I would sit there and just listen for, you know, whatever time I had. If it was two minutes, if it was 30 minutes, if it was an hour, like, I would just sit there and take that in. Or, like, there would be jazz musicians. I cannot walk through that part of New York and not walk through Washington Square Park because I just, Mm. it brings back, like, just college and new to New York City and all of that stuff. Yeah. Another one is, I don't know if Kipperman Casting is still there, but, you know, when you go to Kipperman Casting, the Empire State Building is right there. Mm -hmm. And so every time I would go to Kipperman or like on the rare days where I would have to be at Kipperman and Melski on the same day, you know, you'd walk from Kipperman to Melski or the other way around and you just, the perfect view of the Empire State Building. And so just looking up at it. Mm Mm-hmm. As like an actor, you know, booking it to auditions and stuff, just feeling like this is New York and I'm here and I'm doing it Mm. felt so good. And my last one, I will say, I hated being (laughs) non-union, but sitting in that fucking non-equity line at six o'clock in the morning in Times Square as the sun is coming up. Like, I just remember feeling like this fucking sucks, Mm -hmm. but I'm fucking here. Yep. I'm in Times Square and yep. people in parts of the world aren't even awake yet. And mm-hmm. I'm at an audition mm-hmm. in the middle of Times Square and I'm fucking here. Living your life. Living it. Aww. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Drink. 
totally agree. I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. I'll change Washington Square Park for Central Park. So, but pretty much like, yes, ditto to everything. I also want to say Broadway for me, just walking on Broadway, seeing all those theaters left and right, just feeling that vibe and that the energy that you can just feel by like looking at the actual building, let alone Mm. what lives inside. There's no other city that has something like that. I granted, I've never been to the West End, so could feel kind of like that. Who knows? But as an actor, as a performer, knowing that that's in your city, that you can just take a subway, you can just walk down and be at the theater at any given time and watch (laughs) the most amazing performance. Like, how can you not want to be here forever? Yeah. I also, I really just enjoy having the, the ability to leave the apartment and be anywhere at any given time. Yeah. If you take the subway or if you walk, like you can do a million things within one day. Mm -hmm. When I was at my parents' house down in Florida and Miami, that long one month and a half during holidays last year, it took forever just to get to the grocery store. And I'm talking about Florida here because LA, I'm sure like the traffic I know is insane. But having that allowance, like knowing that you can just... Be wherever you need to be. Run into, because I would always run into individuals at any given point from the past and the present. (laughs) Like, that's just so cool. Like, I feel like you never really need to grow up because you're just like in this this magical place. I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to put it. Yeah. It like stops time a little bit. It does. But then also one day you look back and you're like, how have I been here for this long? (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. But I, I, I love it, and, I, and I'm and i so proud that I'm calling my baby girl a New Yorker because she yeah, is a full-blown New Yorker. that's so true. That's yeah. wild. I actually realized that, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before I left and then now that I'm back. I don't know if I, I had said this, but I was walking around the reservoir while I was pregnant with Lorette, and I had that realization that my baby girl will be a New Yorker. At the age of, I was like maybe 12 or 13, that was the first time I came to New York to be a part of this dance program. And I remember being like, I want to live here and I never want to leave. And now I actually have my baby who was born here and will always have that. So badass. Yeah. Well, I share, I share a couple of mine with both of you actually, but first the things that I, the first part of my question, the things that I'm obsessed with my local bodega, Or really having any 24-hour bodega where if you need anything Mm -hmm. at any hour, you know that you can go around the corner. Being able to get anywhere by subway, bus, cab, car, ferry even. Mm -hmm. Similar to you, Mariana, being able to buy tickets to a Broadway show hours before the performance is just one of the most amazing, mind-boggling things to me. I can be like, I'm going to go see a show on Broadway tonight. Yeah. And make that happen. (sighs) Never ceases to amaze me. The proximity to the beach and the mountains. Mm -hmm. Oh. Like you can get any kind of landscape you want here, except for desert. You'd have to go pretty far, I guess. The access to so many varieties of good food. Oh, yes. Oh, my God, yeah. And getting anything delivered at any hour. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Those are all like... Those epitomize New York for me. Mm -hmm. 
I got one of the ingredients for our cocktail delivered last night along yes. with some bottles of wine. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. Because you can. Because you can. <laughs> And you know what's funny? Some of my small memories of the city, most of them when I was thinking about them, and similar to yours, Brandy, because I had the same one on my list, they're uh, they're not necessarily like happy or positive or or good things like waiting in an on ec line at the crack of dawn, mm-hmm. right? You know, Miserable. like the holding room at the equity building else. where you can't go to the bathroom. You have to go oh to the McDonald's God. across the street because there's no bathroom for the non union. Like they were miserable, but still, those are one of that's one of my favorite memories. Yeah, or riding home on the subway wasted and falling asleep. Like, <laughs> not necessarily a positive thing, but I love that I that I have those in my history. You yeah. know, like I'll always yeah. remember that if I were to move. And then, of course, happy hours turned into epic evenings. Yeah, skinny dipping in Coney Island spontaneously. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Or the no pants subway ride in the middle of the winter when you're freezing, but it's fine because everyone else is doing it, and oh, a lot yeah. of people don't even blink an eye on the subway because they're like, ah, "I've seen worse." It's crazy. This city is <laughs> fucking madness, and I'm obsessed with it. I hate it. I love it. I think that's the perfect way to say it. You love it and hate it. Yeah magic i guess we might as well talk a little bit more about covid before we <laughs> oh is that okay i mean it's such I mean, a, I mean, it's a gonna huge be talking part about of this, that, this entire yeah. book yeah <laughs> i mean there's one thing i i can't even imagine losing your significant other in such a traumatic way mm. but all of this happened because of covid I mean, we've kind of already mentioned that, but I'm just going to emphasize it a little bit more. And and it's affected every single person that lives in the world. Mm, yeah. It's affected every single person. And throughout these chapters, Amanda made a note of what life would have been like if COVID wouldn't have happened and if it wouldn't have hit Nick and their family the way it devastatingly did. What a normal, quote unquote, day would have been like. Mm. And I've actually often wondered about this. If the last 19 months or so hadn't happened, mm. well, where would I be right now? What would my life be like without COVID? Yeah. I mean, I guess, as I said before in the intro, are these books drunk? Might have not happened. It wouldn't this have might happened. Have not been it wouldn't t- have yeah. happened. Thing. There's no way. And our friendship wouldn't have evolved as quickly as it has. Mm. That's true. Because we ended up being our support system for each mm-hmm. other during these months. Yeah. So have either of you thought about this? Like, do you have an idea of where would you be right now if if the 19 months, the 19 months that just have passed, if they wouldn't have never happened? Well, of course, I've thought about this a lot. But, you know, like we've been saying, it's hard to know exactly because we don't know, you know, as Brandy right. was saying, we don't know what could have happened. But I think I would probably still be serving at Alves. I would still be working in Mm. a restaurant. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so many self-tapes and feel comfortable in that world, therefore Mm -hmm. allowing me to book quite a bit of work these last 19 months. I never Mm. self-taped prior to COVID, so I rarely worked. (laughs) Um, So that's been like a huge actual silver lining out of all of this. Mm I would never have made a film. Or maybe Mm, I would have, but it wouldn't have been what it was. 
but I, I don't know. I don't know that I would have actually done it. I would be carrying my yoga mat all around the city with a large mm. tote bag and living off snacks instead of meals mm. like I did every year. For sure, this podcast wouldn't have happened. No. Thereby yeah. strengthening our friendship so immensely, which another like huge silver lining. Mm. And I wouldn't be as good at saying no to things and not feeling mm. bad about it because mm. now my health and so many others' health – Healths, healths, are at risk, and so now it's it's kind of given me the courage to be able to say no, yeah, and put my foot down about things and really prioritize what's important. And I would be spending more money mindlessly, like by getting mani pedis regularly, sure. like I used to. Like I used yeah. to, you know. I mean, I was also making decent money, so I was like, oh, a massage here, a mani pedi there, going out for drinks and dinner there. But now mm. I'm really kind of, you know, prioritizing like when I need that, and I'm being much right. more cognizant. Cause now I have to be. That's it. <laughs> That's it for at least what I've thought of. <laughs> Well, it seems like a lot of good things have come out of it. It seems like great stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. most of that stuff was silver lining right, stuff. Right, left and right. Which I always feel really weird about. Like, anytime anyone asks me, you know, how was your time in COVID? I always feel very trepidatious about that because it was right. terrible. But, and see, I still feel even weird saying it now. But actually, a lot of good came out of it for me. Mm-hmm. Aside from collectively so many people being sick and dying and losing yeah. job. I mean, I can go on and on about all the horrific stuff. Yes. But but I, you know, I, I protested for that and I fought for that and I mm-hmm. volunteered for those things. So it wasn't like I was like deaf to that. But if I'm being really honest from a personal, very personal perspective, yeah, I kind of needed that time to get my shit together as a human. I totally get that. I think for me, I, I always feel the same way when talking about my time in quarantine because I recognize like I was extremely I have been extremely privileged in the way I got to experience this pandemic Mm -hmm. and I can fully recognize it was completely different from Mm -hmm. the way many many people got to experience it I'm so I'm super super lucky I mean I think the biggest thing for me that wouldn't have happened without COVID similar to sort of what you were saying Emma is just like a huge I got to invest so much in myself as an actor. Mm -hmm. I got to take voice class, which I had never, for whatever reason, I've always known I needed to do that, had never done it. Finally invested in doing that during COVID just because I had the time and maybe a teacher who I wouldn't have normally had access to Mm -hmm. also had time. And so I got to do that. There were so many classes that I got to take that I maybe wouldn't have normally made the time to do because it's a very different thing to take a class you have to go to in person Mm -hmm. versus one that you can just sign on to online. It's a completely different thing. Or taking it from another location. Yeah. Like LA or Toronto. Exactly. Exactly. People you wouldn't have had access to because you're not there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think also what you were saying, Emma, really like rings true for me too. Being able to self-tape and start that audition process at home as opposed to going into a studio where you get to do it once or twice and there's so much pressure mm. attached to it has just been game changing. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people hate it. 
I personally fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's here to stay because yeah. it. I just feel like it's made a world of difference, not just in like the performance I'm able, able to deliver, but also just in like my mental hmm. health a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Not running All from of- one to the other. Yeah, and then having the stress of sitting there with the other actors who are auditioning mm-hmm. for the same role as you, knowing that when you walk in there, you've got two, maybe three takes, like all that anxiety and pressure, like, yeah. don't need it. Good without it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about you, uh, Same, same as far as the, the acting world is concerned. Uh, my career is concerned. Yeah, very similar to both of you. I'm, I'm in the same, on the same boat as both of you. But I think for me... <laughs> The two main thing, I mean, there's several, but the main thing that came out of COVID, I had a baby. You had a baby. You did? <laughs> Where is that little bundle I of did. love, by the way? It's, is she right She's there with, with her you? daddy in her carrier. Okay. I think Aww. she actually started crying a little bit, Emma, when you were asking us your question. I'm oh, like, shit. Oh. But she if you was hear like, some cries, you know that that's... Baby, baby Bell. Hear some cries. You just met Baby Bell. Yeah, there you go. She made it. She made her appearance, at least with her little cries. <laughs> but wait, in all seriousness, do you think that if it weren't for COVID, maybe you wouldn't be? Not to oh. say that I wouldn't. I would never have had a baby. Right, right, right. But I think timing wise, it just happened. Because mm. if COVID wouldn't have happened, I would have never spent a month and a half at home with my parents. Right. I would have never been as relaxed. Mm. Things wouldn't have happened as naturally as they did. Mm. And then it wouldn't have, because since everything did happen so quick, quickly, it wouldn't have propelled us to then stay in the city and decide that it would be the best mm. place to actually have her here. Mm. Wow. So, and that's all because of COVID. And again, like yeah. what Brandy said, yes, I'm very privileged in the sense of like, you know, Andrew and I still have our health or an immediate family still are very healthy like we haven't been faced with the devastation that is COVID but it still changed our lives forever yeah yeah forever and the same with waffles waffles was a COVID puppy oh yeah you got a pandemic puppy oh my god that's right yeah we first got the car because we were like we need to if we ever need to get out of the city we Need a car. Mm-hmm. Then along came the puppy, and then came the baby. <laughs> oh my god! So we became a full, a full blown family. family because wow. of COVID. Wow, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think of, but um, that's it's that's the silver lining that having quarantine and allowing Andrew and I to kind of take some time to analyze ourselves and analyze our family and have the downtime and relax brought upon the most beautiful gift yeah wow you win this game (laughs) yeah (laughs) well one thing that I will shout out that really gave me a lot of insight into just the kind of person Nick Cordero was was this delightful moment when he decides they're going to live in Laurel Canyon. He knows this is the neighborhood for them. This is where he wants to live. They're looking at houses. They can't find anything in their price range, all this stuff. And this moment when he is like, 
I think he's sitting in her workout studio, right? While she's like teaching classes and he's like furiously on the computer, like typing up an application Mm -hmm. and getting recommendation letters and letters to the owner about why this is their house and all this stuff. Like so determined. The fact that he finagled Mm -hmm. himself, finagled them. I shouldn't say finagle. That word has a negative connotation. But the fact that he was able to craftily get them into this house, even though they had full cash offers from other people, like. People were vying for this house, and yet somehow they are the ones, I think even she says, fully because of Nick, mm-hmm. who end up with this house, their dream house. Yeah. At least in their dream neighborhood. Said a lot about who he mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. and his determination. My mom and I were talking about Amanda, actually, because my mom is also watching Dancing with the Stars. I'm a diehard oh. fan, and so is she. Is she still in it? Amanda she's Cleets? still in it. She's and still she in is, it. Okay. She's so, I mean, because she was a former man. She was dancer, a dancer, yeah. She's brilliant. And the judges are actually being really hard on her, which I think is kind of not fair. But I get it. There are other celebrities, quote unquote, yeah, that have never had any experience. Yeah. But anyway, anywho. But we were talking about how I feel that Nick is still like hovering over her in a sense like he's like an angel for her right now because of the way her life has just blossomed I I don't know if that's the right word but there's just something about how things have made a change for the good for her and she's you can see on Instagram because like Emma I'm also following her on Instagram and it's just it's unreal to see everything that she's been able to accomplish plus the book that we're reading right now I mean right and how she'll be able to support her family now. Elvis, yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have to worry about those finances, thank God. You know, and she makes very few references to that in these first chapters. But my God, like, they had just bought a house. Mm-hmm. Right. Moved to a new city where she had no contacts. She doesn't even really have a job. It's the middle of a pandemic. Had a like, baby. Had a ba- right. a brand new baby. Very little support system. Like, she makes so little mention of the fact that the weight and the pressure of all of that is now firmly on her Mm -hmm. two shoulders what a fucking scary terrifying thing when he's sick but then after he passes too to know you are now solely responsible for this baby in every way what a fucking gargantuan task i don't i don't know how she managed because i'm only eight weeks in and i have no idea How she was able to push through all of this, knowing that a little human being who is absolutely perfect and is so worth it was depending on her a hundred and million percent. I guess that's why you do push through because you don't have any other choice. You don't have a choice. Yeah. And I think doesn't she make mention of that at some point where she's like, thank God for Elvis, because if it hadn't been for having to get up and take care of him every day, Mm -hmm. I probably would have retreated into myself Mm Instead of reaching out to people for help. And the financial burden. I mean, those hospital bills. The she hospital doesn't really bills, talk about that either. But like The house. Yeah, all of it. <sighs> One thing that I am curious about, because, you know, obviously in research for this book, I was reading a lot of articles and stuff. And I saw, I was seeing that Amanda Klutz has faced a lot of backlash mm. in recent months because she started dating again. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, so soon after Nick's death. I think she started dating about a year later or mm-hmm. something. And I am I was curious how you two feel about that situation as a whole, not just her dating, but also people feeling they have a judgment about that. 
And then separately, I know this is kind of a silly question because once you're dead, you probably don't care. But I wondered, is there is there an appropriate amount of time you'd want your spouse to grieve before they moved on? And is that something that y'all have talked about with hmm. your spouse? I don't think anybody can judge her. I don't think I a year. I wholeheartedly agree. Three months, four yep. months, five, whatever it is. If yeah. she needs that type of support and someone to lean on that will give her like the loving compassion that she craves at that point in time, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because nobody will ever, I mean, people, you can't put yourself in her shoes at that very moment. And you're not putting yourself in that in those shoes if you are actually judging what she went through because you will right. never know. You will I never agree. know. I also think pandemic time is different from normal people time. Mm-hmm. And when you're by yourself, yeah. With your child in the middle of a pandemic feeling so isolated, like that must have felt like an eternity. Yeah. Absolutely. To be dealing with that. Absolutely. Now, as far as Andrew and I have never talked about this, but <laughs> I guess I would want Andrew to overall be happy. Yeah. To remember me and, you know, adore me for what for the time that we had. And that I will always be his first wife and his first love and all all of that. But if he if that's the way he needs to move on, then go ahead. Like I I don't know if there would be a specific timeline that I would want for him Yeah. To have. I just I would want selfishly, I would want him to like really like cherish me forever. But if he <laughs> needs someone else <laughs> by his side to continue living life. To the fullest, because that's what I would want. And I would want him to be happy with Lorette. Do what you need to do. I just hope that someone that if if that were to happen, for him to find someone that would love him like me or even more so and cherish him the way I, I have and the same way yeah. to take care of Lorette the way I always want to. Oh, I'm tearing up over here. I know. It's a heavy question. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Basically, he just can't find anyone that's as amazing as you <laughs> or better than you. But she can come close. She can she come can just close. below the line. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking speaking specifically about Amanda in, in her scenario, I think it's disgusting that anyone could vocally or publicly express their negative opinions on her dating life. Mm-hmm. It's not your fucking business. It's not your life. Yeah. You don't get any say unless you're offering support or condolences. Yeah. Full stop. But unfortunately, that's not how it works when you're in the public eye in the way that she is. Everyone grieves in different ways. Everyone has different journeys, and no two will look the same. And I would never judge anyone's decision on when they find love again, if at all, after a huge loss, because I know that it's more complicated than that. Sometimes the next person that comes along could just be a placement holder for their grief so as not Mm -hmm. to have to dwell in it. Yeah, And they could be mislabeling love for a distraction. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do believe that person could, in fact, be an amazing partner for them and maybe could be the person that they were supposed to be with and would never have Mm. known or found them had they not lost their previous Mm. partner. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're there to help you move through the grief and help you heal, whether or not Mm -hmm. they become a forever person for you or not. Whatever the case may be, who am I to judge someone else's path on navigating one of the most challenging obstacles that life throws at you? Yeah, And I've seen many iterations of this with many people in my life, some that remarried very quickly after losing their partner and they're still together Mm -hmm. and very much in love and a great fit for each other. 
Yeah. Some where they remarried very quickly and it didn't last long. Some where they've been alone since their partner passed for years and are not interested at all in dating again. And honestly, I don't think that they ever will be. Mm. You just can't assume that what you think you would do in this case is right for everyone. I think that's kind of just like the you blanket. You also can't know what you would do in that situation. No. Also until that. in that situation. Yeah. Also that. I can't even fathom being in this situation. Like, that's why I'm going to continuously say this throughout, like, all our discussions of this book because I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yet it happens all the time. And people do, as we're witnessing through this book, um, survive. But, um... In terms of thinking about this in my experience, the second part of your question, I only started thinking about this after having read these chapters this week. Oh. I've never, I hadn't, I don't think I've thought about it prior. Um, Wow. And it makes me really emotional. In Mm -hmm. thinking about this for Ricardo finding love again, I was thinking I would be upset if he found love again within the first six months. (laughs) Okay. To a year. Of me passing. I feel like I need him to take at least that much time. But as I just said, I can't judge whatever he needed. Because ultimately, I would just want him to be happy and to not be alone. Yeah. It would be hard if I had to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I would, yeah, I would just haunt the woman to make sure that she was treating him really well. There you go. By tickling, was it tickling her feet? Tickling, <laughs> wasn't that in a previous episode? I you think said that there that's was how you... tickling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I think one of my biggest fears is that Jason would not find someone else. Hmm. I was just about to say that when Emma was talking. Yes, I think my one of my biggest fears would be that he would be so sad that he yeah. wouldn't be able to yeah. pull himself out of that to find somebody or, you know, or just be so crushed that he wouldn't try again mm-hmm. or something. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with the two of you. Like, I think you can't judge anybody's path. And I think if that's what you need to do to move on, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I would just hope that no matter how that happened, that he would find that again, because I think he needs it. I mean, I know some people prefer to be alone, and that's fine. I just don't think he's one of them. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Should I lighten the mood a little bit? Yeah, please. When an homage to Nick and Amanda's relationship, she made a mention of how they enjoy nights at home eating tomato and maz. Maz. With a cheap bottle of wine, which was probably maybe Italian, too. I mean, who knows? <laughs> So what would an evening look like for you and Ricardo, Emma, and you and Jason, Brandy? Oh, like what's our equivalent? Yeah. Ours is probably pizza and wine. I mean, Jason doesn't drink, but I'd, I'd drink wine. We'd eat pizza. He'd have a Coke. Like one of the bottled Cokes, you know, the glass bottle. Ours would be our favorite vegan Asian takeout, Amitwofo. And he would have... His favorite drink, which is Jägermeister and Crodino. That's his favorite drink? Yeah, it's disgusting. Jägermeister? Mm-hmm. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, he Whoa. would sip I'm going to on... think differently of Ricardo now. <laughs> with it's pretty gnarly. It's just all bitter. <laughs> Yikes. Wow, okay. On the couch yeah. with a TV show. Well, it'll come as no surprise. Tequila would be there. Yeah. <laughs> for me and Andrew. <laughs> I mean, 
before I got pregnant, it would be mezcal for both mm, of yeah. us. Yeah. And to be honest, as far as food is concerned, because we always like we, we tend to order out quite a bit and we have as of late. So it would be more so like just sharing and whatever appetizer and picking from each other's plate. There's not yeah. a specific cuisine, but we just always enjoy like any type of cuisine, but also trying new things. Yeah. And also same sitting on the couch and just watching a TV show. Cozy. Yeah. Higgy. Let's get Higgy with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, all right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. In honor of Mommy Mariana's return, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a fabulous five-star review, and tell us how much you missed her and how happy you are that she's back. Please. I mean, you can also give us a one-star because I am back. That's fine. No. Just give us one stars. No, no, no. We're asking for what we want. We want five stars. Yes, five stars. And honestly, since I've been gone, we've gained many new followers and more avid listeners, so that's that's kind of exciting. Yeah. And we have almost 8,900 downloads. So I want to thank all of you out there. Therefore, I'm giving a huge shout out to our listeners for standing by us and joining us for a happy hour every week. Yeah. Now, do keep those listener questions coming. And don't be shy. We don't bite unless you're into it. Oh, hey, now. Okay. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> Next week, we'll be reading to the end of chapter 10. Keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram at AreThesebooksDrunk for the second cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour. Here. <laughs> so happy to have you back, Maria. Yeah, so happy to Welcome be back. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Bye chicas. Ciao.